I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Book It. Okay. We're recording. We're recording. This is our this is our first episode. This is welcome, our first episode. Adam DeCarlo. Welcome to Tommy Beardmore. This is before the break. We've been talking We're about this for very, very a while excited. now. And uh here we go. First episode. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's start. Where do we begin? Um, I don't know. What are we doing here? What uh well, What's the- we're talking about the ins and outs of this incredible pursuit that is acting and never comes with it. And, um, you know, it's not something that you can just get a degree in and uh, pop onto the scene and do what you do. This is something that yeah. you really need to uh, be involved in everything and everyone in this business and learn from, from someone because there is no set thing, right? My father, he's in healthcare. He gets, he gets a diploma. He goes to work for 40 years, right? For us, every single day <laughs> is so this much. constant <laughs> hustle of where, wh- how is it going to happen for me? Where is it going to happen? Who is it going to happen with? And I when's guess it's it going to happen as when is it going to happen? Um, it's our job as people who have, have um, endured a lot over, over the last say decade or more to help those people behind us with us and people maybe in front of us um, to say, you know, you're not alone. This is supposed to be hard. Uh, here's the best way that we found uh, the most efficient way and the healthiest way to go about and navigating this this treacherous path that that we've chosen. Um, and to ultimately like convey the message that it's supposed to be difficult and you are right where you need to be because we were right there too. And we still are, you know? I mean, what do you think that um, people really need help with? in this business. Yeah. There's just like, there's this weird period where you go, okay, this is what I want to do. And you, you know, maybe you went to school for it. Maybe you didn't, you went to a theater program, whatever you have a degree and it's like, okay, I'm I'm done with that. Or you make the conscious decision. I'm going to do this professionally. This is what I want to make my living out of. This is my dream. How, how does that happen? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's this question of, okay, so what do you do to become a working actor, a professional actor where you make money at it. And it's, you know, it it goes beyond it being a hobby or something that you're, you're good at and like doing, but it's not your full focus, you know? Um, So it's, you know, that kind of period where you're like, so now what, like, how do I market myself? How do I make myself essentially, you know, a product where somebody goes, Oh, I want to see them or I want to bring them into the room or I want more of that. Or, you know, all that stuff that I feel like, you know, in, in my personal experience and so many people I know, um, you know, say I never really got that or, you know, I, I, I was never really told or instructed or, you know, given sort of like a path that I need to follow to like achieve what I want to achieve, even though like, look, you might have amazing training and you're an incredible actor, you're talented and all that. But then 
it's like the real work begins of hustle. And I think, you know, before the break, we're going to get into that is, you know, what are people's story of that path that they either forged for themselves or what happened. And, you know, the crazy thing about this business is it's different for everybody. Yeah. There, is there are no... there are as many as many paths to acting <laughs> yeah. as there are actors out there, right? Everybody's going to be different, which which is why it's so difficult to in this day and age where everything is on your phone, on your Instagram. You're watching people book all these things, and you're saying, I mean, it's it's the perfect uh, prescription for self loathing and um, self consciousness and uh, feelings of defeat when you watch all these people doing all these things, and you're comparing yourself to their green grass when in fact. That's so unfair to yourself because you're saying yeah. my path, I'm looking at someone else's path and wondering why that isn't my own. And it's because it's not your path. And wouldn't you agree, Adam, that like the the main Probably challenge not. that actors <laughs> that actors face is not the bad acting. It's not what it's it, like the reason why actors don't make it isn't because they're bad actors, it's because they just don't know the proper ways of navigating the business, whether it's etiquette or, oh my or God, marketing yeah. or or, you know, I, I know too many people who, you know, too many people who are ridiculously talented and, you know, for one reason or another, just never got that. Okay. So I'm, I'm talented in that, you know, the, the, what do you do with it? What's the next step? And, you know, again, like so many people just don't know any better. So it's like, well, nothing's happening because there's just things you may or may not know about how to get that, you know, wheel turning. Um, so yeah, I, I it, it's both like reassuring and crazy that it's different for everybody. You right. Know? Right. Um, so, so as far as your path goes, mm-hmm. you have been on multiple television uh, shows, programs, um, a lot of it, programs, a lot of independent films, uh, some theater stuff as well. Um, how did you get from, that point where fantasy becomes reality. First of all, uh, the shows that you've been on, say if, if you were to, if you were to name like four or five of the, of the biggest things that you've been on, what would those be? I mean, they were real small parts, but no, well, on, Hey, um, listen, that's, that's what it is, but that's, that's what happens. What the, there you've, you've been on Gotham mm-hmm. twice. And uh, what uh, the good cop, Right. Twice, Unbreakable, and then I've uh, did a Hulu show in December that I have no idea when it comes out. Okay, and you've done independent films, you've done some theater. So, so where you are now, when it when it turns from fantasy to reality, when things start to like, how did you go from laying in your bed that at, at night when you're a kid, hoping to do this, wishing and wanting this, um, into reality? compared to, to now, how did it happen for you? Well, I, 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 mean, I suppose it was like lucky, but um, my parents really let my brother and I watch everything as a kid. So I was just exposed to things that I should not have been watching that, you know, I would go to school and, you know, people were like, you can watch rated R movies. And I'm like, oh, are you not watching rated R movie? You know, like we, I just watched everything. And so just from a little, being a little kid, I just was enamored and in love with movies. And in my head, I went, I, in some way want to do that. I want to be in, you know, 
make believe and pretend. And that's like the world I want to live in. Um, yeah. And it just sort of never went away. And then I think when I was in eighth grade, my parents enrolled me into a theater program that was on the weekends. And uh, I was at, it was at, um, I'm from Southern California and it was at um, a theater called South coast repertory. It's a uh, Tony award winning regional theater. It's amazing. A lot of stuff, you know, starts on Broadway or goes there, vice versa starts there and then goes to Broadway. It's incredible, but they had like a theater program for young people. And um, I was there eighth grade all the way through high school on the weekends. And then it eventually became like two days a week, but we were really treated as adults and we you know did glass menagerie and zoo story as like a freshman in high school and you know we were isn't that always... funny where where you're <laughs> you're treated like an adult like out of our play we used to smoke cigarettes on the gym uh outside of the gym like during our our rehearsals and stuff and it's almost like actors were were held to this like a different regard in school like your director was like not like your teacher in the way yeah. that they treated you, the way that they talked to you, I think it's something to do with art and how it kind of crumbles any sort of of a social norm or construct that's been built up. And I mean, you know, I'm, I, I want to hear more about this story, but like in in theater classes, they in college they would retrain you how to breathe, how to sit, yeah. how to carry yourself, how to do all these things. And I was like, what the hell is going on? They're literally retraining you how to be a human because all the way up till 17 and a half years old, you were told to curb your emotions. You were told to sit in this chair at this computer and your, you know, your, our bodies and our minds and our voices, everything was being dumbed down and deafened. And it's art that like allowed us to be our own person and to be a legitimate human being in, in like the, the most imperfect form. And I think maybe that's what you were experiencing. Like as an eighth grader, you were like, oh, I'm not just some kid. I'm a human being. And I'm talked to like I'm a human being and not some dumb kid. Like, like I am. Yeah. On the outside. Yeah. You know, like I think in, in grade school and high school, you know, there is that kind of, you know, teacher, student, you're down here, I'm up here, but like at this hierarchy, at, right. Yeah. At, at South coast rep, it was you're an artist, you're an adult, we're going to treat you like that. It wasn't like, you know, singing and dancing and like fun stuff. It was like, we're going to work on serious shit and we're going to teach you how to be a serious fucking actor and an artist. And that was my high school experience. <laughs> so when I, you know, I just loved it. And the directors were incredible and were very real with you. And we just were held to a very high standard and we did really incredible stuff. So then when I went to um, college and I went to a, a junior college um, and, you know, you're in like acting one a and everyone's like, I want to try acting. It was like, I had been doing all this stuff for five years that I came in kind of like at a whole other level and it was like right. oh i've been doing this and so i don't know it just right. kind of this like ain't a hobby for me <laughs> yeah i don't know it just through college and everything it was like the train just kept pushing and i think it was you know in high school it was very like this is what i'm gonna do with my life 
They're, they're, right. you know. And you mentioned a train, like you've got some force behind you. You've got this this thing in your heart that's whispering, hey, this might be something that you want to do. But there's a force behind you, like a train, like you're saying, and it's pushing you and it keeps pushing you. And you, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound logical. It doesn't sound practical at all, but it's still this force behind you. And for some reason, you just can't shake it. And it's so strong, in fact, that you had to take proper proper uh, action and you had to and go you had to go to college for this thing right yeah there to me it was never i always knew this is what i wanted to do with my life and there wasn't any other plan b or option or you know at least certainly in the entertainment industry wherever that'll be um but yeah it just really kept going and kept going and kept going and then once I, I don't know, it was so funny. Like in high school, I was the worst high school student. So while everybody was me trying too. to get No, in, I was worse than you. I was way worse than you. How many fires did you start? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, everyone's <laughs> trying to get into these Ivy League schools. And I was like, college? Eh. So like, I just, I didn't know any better. And I was just like, when I got to college, I found out, oh, you can just be here for a few years and transfer wherever you want to go. And I was like, I'm going to go to New York. That's what I want to do. I want to go to school and get theater training in New York City. That's what my goal is. Um, And so then eventually after college, I moved to New York City uh, because I had gotten into Circle in the Squares theater program. Um, And that was... And you had to audition for that, did you? Yeah, I um, flew out here to audition and auditioned at some other schools um, so that was a risk, you know, to, I mean, flying and auditioning. It's not just you write a, write a letter, an essay of your top, you know, your top most memorable experience, uh, you know, like other colleges. I mean, you had to like seriously invest your time and your efforts and you had to fly and you had to audition. And I'm sure there was what a callback and like correspondence and the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, was applying to a ton of stuff for like MFA programs and two year theater programs and all kinds of stuff. Um, but you know, even like being from Southern California, which, you know, just right up North of orange County is LA. I always, I don't know. There was something about like all of my favorite actors I was noticing were like New York theater guys at a certain point. And they just had a different, sensibility about them and it wasn't i agree totally it wasn't like being a movie star type stuff it was i want to be a they were working actors who had longevity because they just had this amazing training from wherever they had you know gone here in new york and that was sort of the path i wanted to take was not being famous or a star i just wanted to be working and i felt that it was New York was where I should get the training to do that. Um, so yeah, that's how I landed in New York. And so that so, was in 2010, <laughs> a long time ago. And, and then, and, and that was a, how long was that program? It was a two year program, but I only did one year because for okay. some reason I had no clue that the second year was strictly Chekhov and Shakespeare. For whatever reason, during first year, I just was not aware of 
that. And, and I that was, was like, not you know, that that's not my bad to do. Right. And hey, you know what? Yeah, I, same thing. I would have done the same thing, Adam. And and that's fine. You know, my fiance, Tosh, she she would have loved that. She would have preferred the second year to the first, right? There are some people that just love Shakespeare, love a certain medium. Um, and it's it, 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 it crosses um, into like the medium of acting, whether it's voice acting, film acting, TV acting, theater acting. It's all about what you like. And just because if you don't like Shakespeare doesn't mean you're not going to be a good actor. It's just that acting might not be something that's called to you. And that's the same thing with me. I, I just would not like that because it doesn't, it doesn't strike up that, um, that, that lightning, that feeling as film acting does, or as TV acting does. And that's totally fine. You just have to kind of think about what you want to go for and embrace that and follow. I, I just sort of in my head was going, I don't really see me doing that or going out for that or wanting to go to auditions for that. And I didn't want to just do a year of the only, mind you, it's Circle in the Square. You do a ton of different classes, but the two acting classes were just those guys. And I was like, I just don't see me doing that. So I don't want the only acting I do in school to be something that I don't feel like I'm going to get the most out of. So yeah, I was accepted to year two, but didn't go. And then I found myself going, Oh, I'm in New York. I'm for the first time in my life. I don't have that warm blanket of being in school to go, Oh, this is my next year or two or three or whatever. Um, you know, and it was like, oh shit! Now I'm out in the world, and, and I have to be an actor. What do I do? <laughs> right? <sighs> you know. Um, and then that's, that's the where... same thing with me. That's that. That's the same thing with me. And, and I think everybody's going to get to that point where they get out of academia, and they have to answer that age-old scary question: Now what? You know, and I'll never forget 22. I gr- just graduated from college. I was at back at my parents. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So this is do. like 20 years and, ago. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Um, yeah, almost. <laughs> you know, but everybody has that moment. But but then you, you look around your environment, you get inspired. In my case, it was my sister who said, you got to go to Chicago. You got to get out of Indiana. You have to go and you have to start this. And who knows if that person wasn't there, would I have, would I have done the, would, there, there had some, some sort of revelation and you had that too, where you were in New York and you're like, okay, well, I did all this work, spent half of my life already doing this. Now what? And it's not enough to just ask the question. You have to answer it. So, so what was your then path from that? You needed to get repped. You needed to get headshots. You needed to get trained for on-camera stuff. Oh, so God. what did you do? Well, Well, yeah, that was the thing. It was like, initially it was, you know, you don't even know where to begin. And I guess I, you know, having always been in school, everywhere that I went to school, none of these things were ever talked about. So, um, right. And isn't that a huge problem? I mean, isn't that something that you feel passionately about that like is a huge, huge liability? They, these kids are coming in, spending a lot of money, and you're teaching them to get their emotional availability and and to to read a little bit of checkoff. But like, what about taxes? What about side jobs? What about headshots? How do I walk into an audition room? 
what do I do? Where do I go after all this? After you give me this paper that I spent $20,000 for, what do I do now? You know, and, and and that's why we have to create things like this because our, our common academia, they don't touch on that stuff. They just teach you how to act. They don't teach you how to be an actor. Well, yeah. And that's the difference. It's like marketing and knowing all the tools you need to go out into the world and, you know, make it a profession. It's, that's just, I mean, that's, that's, that's more than half of it to me, you know? Um, So I think it's, it's yeah, it it was just a lot of, yeah. What they, they lack in the profession aspect of the pursuit. They're just focusing on the art, but what, what really needs to happen is for people coming out of college or, or even bypassing college, by all means, I've seen great actors yeah. just cut their teeth in basements of New York <clears throat> City casting houses. Um, and uh, um, to focus on the profession. I mean, this is show business and nobody thinks about that second word, but it's everything. Yeah. It's how you, you conduct a profitable business. Um, you know, yeah. you need to have your, your, your product, your guarantee, your, the people who are selling you, you know, um, and how to condone yourself and, and, and thank you cards and keeping your mouth shut and not showing that you're impatient in the audition room and not shaking hands because they've shaken 500 hands that day. All these things that like preserve your spot in this business that has nothing to do with acting and everything to do with how would anyone operate a business? I remember the first time I ever went in for a TV role. So like at a real actual, like my first legit New York TV audition. And I walked in with my headshot and resume and she was like, we're, I don't, I don't need that. And I was like, I'll be performing a monologue from uh, Raven. And and I was like, Oh yeah, here's my, here's my (laughs) headshot and resume. And she was like, it's all on a computer. I don't need that. And I was Oh, Oh, okay. And I told my friend after about it afterwards, and he goes, "You idiot! You looked so You're never going to work in this business." <laughs> and I went, "How the fuck would I ever know that?" Every audition you go to, it's, I mean, especially like theater, you know, you you get your headshot and your resume and you print everything and you staple it and you hand it to them, you know, when you walk in or they ask for it beforehand or you know you mail it to people to try and get rep. I had no idea in TV and film. That's not something you do. And she was like, what? No. And my friend was like, Oh, you looked so stupid. Well, okay. It was your first one. And now, you know, but, and I was like, but how, how would I know that? Why would I, why would I assume like, Oh, they won't need my headshot and resume. I felt so stupid. I've never, never, gone to a tv or film audition since with one ever ever it's the little things it's the little things and you know what maybe maybe it's just not focused on because there's there's so many little tiny things that you have to know um but you know it's also a great way to vet people who are supposed to be in this business because if you're supposed to be in this business and you're successful then you found a way a resourceful way to um do the right things and, you know, we couldn't handle having a million great actors who are working all the time. It's just we wouldn't we wouldn't work. So in a way, it's almost like the lack of information and the sort of it's up to you to figure it out type vibe that that this industry kind of is like 
kind of vets the people who just aren't meant for it, who just aren't resourceful totally. enough and who just don't have the knack for figuring things out. And it's stuff like that that's necessary for you to be successful on set to figure things out, to be resourceful. You know, if, if I'm on a set and there's a problem, I'm not going to be calling HR. I got to I got to find a solution inside myself. And part of that was derived from those 12 years of just figuring it out, figuring it out, you know? Yeah. And for me, it really was just having a lot of random conversations here and there, you know, and just sort of asking questions or someone being like, well, you should check out this website. And and then that opened up something, you know, you should really check out this thing. And then that opened up. And it was just, it, it took time, but it was really just listening and learning and having conversations with other friends in right. the business and what they're so what it really were. is go ahead yeah it, it you know a little here a little there but you know i think after circle i just assumed you mail some stuff to agents and managers and they get me yeah, and it, it it wasn't that easy and i had no clue about unions and SAG and equity and how all that worked, or there was all this stuff to get into the, you know, I, I just had no clue. So it was a lot of, you know, hanging out and chatting with people or, you know, talks over beers where I was like, uh, uh, one more time. What what was, what, what was that? You know, and then just doing the investigating myself and being like, Oh shit, this is a lot. This is a lot. And once I sort of got a scope of, you know, all the things that I felt like I needed to do, it was, okay, realistically looking at it, I'm not going to, I have to somehow join SAG. And then I, you know, had learned once you join SAG, you can't really go backwards. You can only work on SAG stuff, which makes me a tiny fish in a big pond and then, you know, if I want to do TV and film, I need some sort of representation to kind of get me into those casting rooms. But if I'm SAG and I have a rep, but I have no credits on camera, why are they even going to look at me? So it was like, okay, I need to build a reel. And then, so I just started formulating a game plan of building a reel so I had on-camera stuff while trying to get my SAG card, which I did through like doing background work. Cause like at the time, all of my friends were still in circle. So I didn't have friends in New York who were producing stuff where like they could just give me a Taft Hartley and be like, there, you're done. I had to figure out ways to, you know, get my three vouchers or waivers or whatever. Um, And, you know, it was being on sets and learning more about all of that and all of the rules about SAG and joining and all that stuff. So it was like, okay, I need to get a reel and then I'll be able to join SAG once I have like enough stuff to build a reel. So I was doing tons of short films and student films, anything that I could do. And, you know, they're never paid for, you know, you never get paid for them. So it was always like, I would get a role and I'd say, Hey, here's my one thing. You got to send me footage. Like I'm trying to build a reel right now. And I got really lucky. Everything I did, everyone sent me footage. And so I started building a reel. Because what normally happens, Adam, right? Is you'll (laughs) never see it again. (laughs) Not only will it not get 
edited ever, not only are you never going to see that footage, but it, you're never going to see the movie. So most, yeah, yeah, of, a yeah. lot of the times, right? You're just not going to get that. They're not, they're not going to take 20 minutes out of their day to find the little file. And so nine yeah. times out of 10, you might not get it. And if you do get it, it's not going to be good. Either the co-star is bad or the quality of uh, the filmmaking is, is poor. So it negatively reflects on you. So the fact that you got pretty good footage to start is actually a really good, a really good sign. And, and I was just like, I, I need my, I need myself on camera to build right. a reel, you know, and that was kind of the goal. Um, so that when I did eventually get a SAG card, when I started going out for representation, I could be like, and I have experience being in front of a, you know, a camera and, you know, it gives you some sort of, you know, it's all bullshit credits anyway, but at least right. on a resume, I can have it's like something. a sh film section with, you know, some, students and shorts and you know shit like that just so they could right. say oh you've done something you know right. so it was really coming up with a game plan and just sort of trial by fire and living and learning and constantly adjusting and um but yeah I, that was several years for me you know, it's different for everybody, Which is but like one of the things that that sets people apart is can you take those years of trial by fire and trial by error and mostly error and the enduring of that in order to to just keep going to get to the place where you finally start to figure things out and things start to flow. But it's that that chunk of years and it could be it could be uh you know, a couple of months or it could be a couple of years or it could be 12 years or it could be 15 years. There are people who've worked for 20 years and finally got their, their break. Um, people who have auditioned a thousand times and then boom, they started to book, you know? And, uh, and I think the difference is, is the determination and the insistence of it doesn't matter what I'm doing wrong. It's not a failure. It's a learning experience. So the next time I do it right, I fell on my face. Now I know what to do next time. And I felt you fall on your face so many times that most people, most people who aren't meant for this business are going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not a masochist. I don't like this constant pain. Sure. And so yeah. I'm going to piece out of here. Thank you though. I'm going to start a state farm agency. Um, you know, and, but for us, for us, for people like us, it's bring it on, stab me 10 more times. I'm learning, I'm figuring this out. And I, there's that, that thing in the heart that's been yelling at me since I was a kid. And I'm not going to just deafen it because of a little bit of traction, because a little bit of friction, a little bit of resistance, you know? Yeah. And it, it was weird because it, there was this feeling of like, well, I live in New York city. I've always wanted to be here. And I feel like, yes, even though this is hard and it can be insanely frustrating sometimes, I feel like I'm on my way though. And I'm at least like, I'm setting goals for myself and slowly, but surely like I am ticking the boxes. So I, I, I did always feel a sort of, even though it was slow, perpetual momentum of like, I feel like I'm getting a little further to this goal. And then I would meet it and be like, okay, that's done on to the next one. And then right. slowly get there and, you know, getting repped was a real motherfucker. <laughs> that was like, two two and a half years of a lot but um eventually See, and you know, it's important say, I get eventually important got that, there but right but it hard. took you a long time and for from for me i got i got a call to come into um 
TPNR casting, which is which is what they they were called then. But they said your headshot and resume came on our desk. It has a Starbucks gift card. Do you want to come in and read for this Dennis Quaid movie? And I don't know how that happened. There was one girl that was working there who I had done a movie in college with. Other than that, I can't remember doing it. So I get into the meeting. I didn't get the booking, but I was referred to an agent and I got booked. So like everybody hmm. has the craziest, yeah. weirdest, most different stories. And if it takes two and a half years, then two and a half years, that's your two and a half year prep plan that was designated to you. For me, boom, it happened kind of just like that with a little bit of luck timing and I don't know what happened. But in the same way, something that you did quickly that maybe it took me forever was in a different circumstance, you know, and it, it it's okay if yeah. things take longer, right? Depending on the person, it's just about timing and about time and the universe and allowing things to be ready for when they're supposed to be ready and there's no explanation in it, but you know, if you're, if you're hitting that wall at, at that year and you're still not repped, it's like, well, Hey, it takes a while. Sometimes it's totally cool. Yeah. And it, and it's crazy too, cause you will at a certain point be surrounded by friends and, you know, people who are close to you, who are also in the industry who are doing really well. Or they're like, Oh yeah, I just went on this audition. And you're like, I can't even get a fucking rep like i just want to get in the room and it's so frustrating and i used to be really like i would have like a jealousy when i heard about other people succeeding and i hated that i did it just it was just like why can't i i can't even get this thing i've been trying so hard and it's been taking so long and then you know once things start to work themselves out and the dust settles and you start getting a few bookings yourself. I never, ever, ever feel that way anymore. And I like, I love seeing people that I know and dear friends and stuff succeed and like book this and book that, or, you know, go out and make something. And it's, it's awesome. But for me, it, it yeah. took a little bit of, you know, getting something before I could finally feel that way. But, you know, there was, at a certain point when I just felt so down about like, God, I'm, I'm just trying so hard and nothing is fucking happening. You know, I just, I had a lot of resentment to people who were doing well or who booked stuff. And um, anyway, yeah, I'm glad I don't anymore, but. When I talk to people who, who are maybe in the business longer than me, um, you know, I was on a, a movie called Case of Blue and one of the um, actors, Steve Schnechter, he's like this Broadway guy who was in a lot of soaps. And I was going through a really hard time, like a drought, a big, long drought. And I said, dude, I, I don't know what's happening, but it's taken me a while to get out of this and I'm not getting any work and things aren't working. And I feel like I'm, I'm not acting anymore. I don't know how to act anymore. It was just a huge problem. He says, oh yeah, that happened to me. I mean, I had that for eight years. My wife told me I had to go back to teaching because I, I was in such a drought. And in that moment, I mean, I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> so this is just part of it. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm yeah cool. exactly. This yeah. is a year, a year of things like of a little drought of not booking. And sure enough, it passed. But what that passed, and, and we pass tests all the time for if you really want to do this, if you really want to be in this business, then you're going to have to withstand. You're going to have to trudge yeah. through the through the muck of 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 no bookings and your other friends on billboards and Instagram and all that stuff. People talking it is a about marathon, their careers while you're a sprint. 
Yeah, yeah, and it you're stuck marathon, like serving spaghetti bolognese. No. But like that's that's part of it. It's part of it. And for, when you're lifted out of it, you recall you smile not because you're lifted out of it and you're on this great show and making a lot of money. You smile because you look back at the spaghetti bolognese and you're like, dude, that was rough. Watching my episode while I'm waiting tables at the TV, you know, just like it's be it's, yeah. you smile because it was so tough because you got through it. And yeah. you didn't fall. You didn't fall for the resistance to say, mm, this is a little tough. Maybe you better go back to your insurance job. Because it is so easy to just tap out at any time. I mean, you're not losing anything if you don't do. have anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to lose? That's what normal people do. Anything. Normal people, yeah. Yeah. But it's right. one of those things like you can quite literally just be like, I think we're done here. I think we're done here. Yeah. You know, at any step, um, but it it is, you know, you just have to have that something in you that goes, because for me, at least it's, it's this or nothing. There was no right. like plan B or, you know, I'm a good salesman. I'm going to get into real estate. You know, like there was none of that. It was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And yeah, I have to figure out how to do it because no one ever told me and there was no class I ever took that was like, you know, when you're done here, you really should think about X, Y, and Z and, you know, these things I would have gone, oh, my brain would have been aware of like, oh, those are things I have to do. And for me, you know, it really, it took a while for that train to start moving, Um you know, and I probably wasted a whole year just sort of being like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And just, you know, was partying and perpetually hung over for like a year because I just didn't know what the fuck to do. And then eventually things started to like make sense and I could kind of get a grasp of what I needed to do. And, you know, I got out of a funk and started making it happen. Um but yeah, it really was just living and learning and, you know, keep moving forward, keep mo moving forward and making goals for yourself and being realistic about it. Ult and Ultimately, don't you think that it sort of comes down to, I have to do this, but if it's not meant for me, at least I tried and I know. So the jury of either doing it or knowing that it wasn't supposed to happen by you trying to do it. For me, I'd rather die knowing that I tried, not know at all and always wonder. And for me, it's, it's worth it to try. I mean, at the beginning, it was worth it to try and have it not come to fruition, then not try at all and build up this big business on the side, doing all this other stuff, not to do with acting. But that's that. That's what it was. It was so important to me that it was either going to happen or I was going to try and have it not happen. It wasn't going to be that I didn't try. Yeah. And for some people, there <clears throat> for certain types of people, they cannot take that question. the 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 question of I wonder what if I wonder if I really went out there. I wonder if I moved out or if I submitted to that thing. I wonder if I would have gotten it. For some people, they'll disintegrate if they ask that question too many times. And so the alternative is you try everything, you submit everything, you move to that city, you move again, you you submit to that move, you you really try, you really put in years and years and years and years because it's worth it to just know. 
you know? Yeah. And, and I think it, it can be scary when you, when you kind of, maybe you get the information and you step back for a second, you go, Whoa, that is, that is a lot of work and there's nobody on, you know, at a certain point, there's going to be nobody when you're first starting out in your corner on your side to sort of help you do all this. So it's, it's entirely what you make of it, you know, and it's the, the rewards you get are based off of the work that you solely put in. And it is a lot of work, but, you know, eventually you get somebody who can help you. But at first it's, you know, knowing that you're going to walk this very long road all by yourself for several years and it's going to be very hard, you know, I think, and it makes sense. It scares the shit out of you, you know, and then you have friends and family going, so how's LA? How's New York? What are you doing? You're like, nothing, nothing, nothing is fucking happening. I'm working on it, you know? Um, right. And it's, it to is withstand hard. That, that idea while everyone else, everyone else is doing life and accomplishing these things and these milestones and checking off the, you know, the kid in the house and the car and the, and you have to feel completely displaced, completely different, but that's okay. Because if you weren't different, then you wouldn't be able to do the stuff that you love to do, which is act, which is perform, you know? Yeah. And, um, you can't do that with the house. That's not there yet. You know, you can't do that with the family back home. You, that, that you can't do that. And it's the reality of this business. And I think it's the, acceptance and understanding that that stuff comes later right now is not the time to be keeping up with the Joneses and, and looking at the green grass over there. Like right now is time to be watering your grass and getting your yard ready for your path and everything that comes with it and to not totally. look elsewhere. Um, but to not get affected by that, you know, and that, that took a lot of time for me to like in, even in therapy, you know, um, it, it took a lot of time to embrace that which defined me embrace the idea that I was different and I was living an alternative life and that was okay. And it's only going to yeah. get better as you book more and you enjoy more things coming from your, um, from the jobs and the people associated in your industry. We get this sort of reference point of what great is. And it's all tagged now to this life that we built that started so dark and started so in solitudinal, solitudinal, um, I don't know, disharmony, um, and have it like evolve into something so beautiful. You're like, Oh, thank God. I didn't listen to that voice. that said, it's too hard. Or what the hell do you think you could do in this business? You're from no name town, Indiana. Why do you think that you belong here? And, and that's the good actor is they don't listen to that. They push through, they keep going. And eventually things just start to work out. Yeah. So when was it for you that you went, oh, this isn't something I, I like doing or I'm good at and it's fun, but when it kind of switched to that's what I want to do with my life professionally? I think I always knew when I was, I mean, at 14, I, I, I went to the drama club. I was a big troublemaker at school. And the minute that I hopped up on stage, I started getting less detentions, less Fs. Um, actually, my grades improved. And and I just started to grow up. And because I had this thing, this drama club, I mean, it was like 
I was so afraid of not looking macho, you know, because all of my buddies were on the football team. And I was like, I was secretly like so excited when we lost conference so that we didn't have to go to like the championships. I could stop and go to improv classes. And I was like <laughs> skipping on my way out of the locker room, you know, but like, that's me. I loved it so much because it was breathing life into me. And I knew, I knew that this was something that, that I could do. And the more that I looked into it, the more I embraced it, the more right it felt. And this is, this was a time before cell phones and before iMovie and all that, we had our dad's video cameras and we'd shoot stop motion animation and we'd, sh we'd shoot short, oh, cool. short films. And while my Love friends that. were playing, um, yeah, I mean, it was awesome for a kid, especially a kid who was destined for maybe the, the wrong side, you know, <clears throat> and, and instead of playing video games or doing drugs or whatever, we were shooting movies. And I think at that point where I, I found a way to go to this other high school in the morning, this big public school that had their own radio and TV program. And once I got on air, I mean, once that mic came on, I just, I yeah. just loved it. I had my own morning show. I had the, um, the instructor for the radio program took my demo tape and, and he said, we're going to send this off to the, the radio station because I, you know, you should be on air. And I was just like, oh my God. So this thing that I was feeling was actually validated by it kind of in this business, you know? <laughs> And, and, um, I didn't end up going into radio, but I went into to college and I was like, this is the thing. I mean, I, I toyed with the notion of going to psych and sales and whatever, but you know, come sophomore year, I was in the film department sitting at the Dean's chair and saying, I got to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make money, but I have to do this. And I was in, I was in. Nice. And so, you know, you... And the, one of the wonderful things that he said was, was, was don't worry about the money. The money will come. The money always comes. And so you, you went to college to like, okay, I want to do this enough that I'm going to go to college to do performing arts. Well, I went to Purdue because I, it was close. I didn't know where really I wanted to go. I didn't know what to do. So, um, you know, once I got in there and saw the film department, which I didn't know existed. And I saw the theater department, which I didn't even know existed, uh, they had some grants. They had these incredible buildings. And, um, you know, although it wasn't a, a large, large department, it was almost like the smaller the group was actually kind of attractive to me because it was less concentrated, less competition. Instead of thousands of kids competing mm -hmm. to get film equipment and all this stuff, it was a couple of hundred. And instead of competition, they were a community. And so we started doing all these films and renting out cameras. And I remember even then I said, I'm not going to have my hands on these cameras for when I get out of here. So do as much as you can now, you know, and, and yeah. I had to make relationships with guys who were really good in the department who were like directors and they wanted to write and they had just a good vibe. Like you knew they were going to go somewhere and I attached myself to them and they attached themselves to me and we still work together to this day, you know? And, um, so we're, we were all on that same path and it was everybody who had that same little light inside that were like, Hmm. I'm going to make a go at this. I'm not going to try and move somewhere and just try it out and then come home. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm yeah. going to do. And once I got out of college, I had that freak out moment at my parents sitting in my old room with tears in my eyes saying, what am I to do now? Where do I go? I spent all these years saying, I'm going to be an actor, but now it was the time I got the slip of paper. Now it's the time to be an actor and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's almost like that identity crisis where you're like, well, I guess I have to jump now. I can't just 
dip my toes in. I've been talking this shit for years and years. Now it's time to go. And and my sister, yep. thank God she was there. She said, you got to go to Chicago. You got to go to Second City. And I just listened. I wasn't afraid. I mean, I was afraid, but I just listened. And so, you know, it just started this incredible journey that was so rough, but I wouldn't have changed a thing. Not a thing. I mean, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, um, it makes you stronger. But every, everything just kind of evolved and changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think all those tough times, it, it, it helps that like you didn't get something so fast. You know what I mean? Like you have perspective on the the rough road and the journey that got you there. Right. And, you know, it doesn't make you. That's what builds the character. Yeah, yeah, man. I've seen too many people who got Disney Channel contracts right out of college. And you know what? I don't, I won't learn a thing from them. I won't learn one thing. I, give me the person that struggled with depression and, and had to go on food stamps and got evicted and, you know, broke down on the side of the road type moments throughout their careers. And they just kept going. Give me the Steve Schnecters. Give me the guys that like, yeah. like had those eight years of droughts. Give me the people that really, really struggled. And isn't it interesting that all those people, there's something to them. I mean, we can look at our families and look at the matriarchs and patriarchs. Aren't they people that lived an incredible life of ups and downs, mostly downs, but you know, endurance and persistence and determination and strength and those character building things. And that's why I look back at my life and smile, not because of the money or the credits, you know, the fucking IMDB page. I look at it and say, I broke down on the road tons of times, literally, but metaphorically, I mean, moments where I'm just broken and this business broke me. And I said goodbye to millions of dollars. Essentially, you added up all those times that you came so close to getting something, but it went to the other guy. Tons of money, tons of opportunities, tons of these, these fantasies that were within reach. You could even smell the ink on the paper and it was gone. But you kept going. And that's why I smile now because I kept going even, even um, in the midst of all these like temptations to drop out because it was so tough. But that's why I'm so strong. That's why I'm so, and that, that's why you're so strong is because we withstood all that. So we know how strong we are. We know our skin now is so thick. And you know other people that haven't struggled that were given the paychecks and and the um, the bookings right off the bat. There's no strength inside. It's just it's just it's just uh, success. It's just success. And if there's just success with no no uh, challenge, then like it really isn't much of a success. It was just something given to you that was just easily attained. Yeah, and what I'm excited about with this podcast is all the guests we're going to have on who are really incredible and talented, successful working actors. And they're going to be from TV and Broadway and film and voiceover mm -hmm. and commercials. Cause there's so many avenues, you know, you can make money basically. Um, but we're going to talk to all of them and we're going to find out their stories about like what we're talking about right now. You know, what were those weird years where you had to, figure it out. And how did that go for you? And, you know, what led you to that big audition that got you that thing that, you know, we know you for, you know, whatever. And hearing, you know, actors you recognize or people just coming up, hearing their stories, um, I think will be really interesting. Cause I think, I don't know, in interviews and stuff there, that kind of period you don't hear a lot about. And, um, 
I think it'll be interesting for, uh, you know, aspiring actors or, you know, actors who are in a rut right now, whatever the case may be, or just fans of, you know, who we're going to have on just to hear about that kind of period and what that was like for them. So that's what I'm excited about with this podcast. Me too. To hear me too. Me too. The stories of our guests. Yeah. And everybody is going to be different and it's going to help a lot of people because there's going to be something that someone says that's going to help someone just stay in the game a little longer, learn something a little more fully, little fu- a little more fully, a little fuller. Oh boy. You were a terrible <laughs> student. Good Lord. <laughs> Jesus. You know, it's going to be yeah, great. It- it's going to be awesome. And, and, you know, like you said, we, we have, we have people from all facets of, of the industry, um, friends of ours and then acquaintances who we've, We've come across some um, uh, in our past experiences. And, and for those listening, um, Adam and I are the best of friends. We met a couple of years ago on a set uh, called Diamonds and Rust, a movie that um, – uh, uh, what was it? Two years ago, was it? Or three? Going on two, yeah. Yeah, and we played summer, brothers. Summer of 19. And, um, and, you know, we, we tagged each other up and, and we, we did what we usually do. And it's, you find good people in your business and you, you, um, create a bond between you so that you can not only share in the struggles and the, and the victories, but also create other things too. And at the end of a life, you've got this Rolodex of people that totally, you know, that are the people that you've, you've worked with in this it's, business that you keep together. I'm a, I'm a big, big, uh, believer in you know keeping a really amazing artistic sort of tribe of people who are you know doing the same kind of stuff as you and um yeah just building that tribe you never know who's gonna do what and you know they want you to be in this or you you, you just you never know but um and, you know, and it also comes around don't you don't you believe that like something that you did 10 years ago and boom like I did, I did, I did a, a, one of my first movies led to five years later, the photographer, the onset photographer from that movie gave my name to somebody who was shooting a pilot. And then boom, I booked that pilot, the lead in a pilot. And it's yeah. because I just, I was on set with this guy and we got along and, and we, we stayed in touch and you know, I'm, I'm in LA and I'm taking meetings for new agents. And one agent that I'm taking a meeting from is best friends with my agent from Chicago. And this is a person yeah. from Chicago who I I was so close with and we both respected each other so much. So this meeting, if it goes well, is is going to be drastically changed because of the the tribe that I have made and sustained and fostered for so many years. And I'm seeing how things are coming back 10 years before and 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 offering me something wonderful because of our ability to keep watering that garden of, of our community. Yeah. It's wild. You know, the entertainment industry feels so daunting and it, it feels uh, so overwhelming um, and intimidating, but it really is such a small world. It's, it's mind blowing. The longer you stick with it and the more like kind of experiences you get, you know, it's this person knows that, and you're like, what, how do, or, you know, you get, booked on something and someone you worked with years ago is in the AD department. And you're like, I know all you got, you know, and it's like, or how many times do we, do you have a movie maybe? And then like the guy who's doing the sound 
for your movie is also doing the sound for a huge studio picture. And he knows somebody who's casting this new thing. And it's just like, it, it's just this ecosystem yeah. of creativity yeah. that's fueling everybody. And if you're a good person, you know, I mean, it's not like you're a good actor, then you're going to work. No, no, no. You're a good actor and you got to be a good person. You're on set for 16 hours yeah. a day. You, you got to, you got to be a good person and do your job, you're shut the fuck up and be nice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your- and if, and if you find other people who do their job and shut the fuck up and are nice, it leads yeah. to other things. And it's so important to not be a dick because it's a small, small world and word travels fast. This is our first episode. We're going to be back. Uh, every week we're going to have a new guest. Um, and yeah, we're we're brand new, so it's very important. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening. We're on iTunes Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Podcasts. Um, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Um, we're brand new, so this is very important to give us a rating, write us a review, you know, tell people. Uh, Tommy, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find us at um, www.bookitnyc.com. Uh, or they can – sorry, wait. Are you talking about me or are you talking about – Whatever you order you want to do this in. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be – Okay. Be they can find me at uh, Tommy Beard. <laughs> Uh, tommybeardmore.com or bookitnyc.com. Um, Bookit is a uh, an actor's resource. We offer coaching, remote one-on-one coaching by the best working actors in the business from film, TV, Broadway, voiceover, uh, and commercial. We've got tons of scripts available. We've got a um, a new agent genie that we we get you repped. And um, it's kind of a one in, one-stop shop for everything uh, concerning the acting industry and how we can help you get on the right path to success. Nice. And uh, where can people find updates and whatnot uh, on the socials for before the break? Check out our Instagram, uh, book it underscore NYC. Sweet. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll update. (laughs) We'll, we'll let you know who the guests are and we'll put everything out. Um, so give us a follow on Instagram. Where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, Tommy Beyond. How about you, Adam? That Adam DiCarlo. So right. give us a follow. Give our podcast a rating, a review, uh, hit subscribe. And yeah, we'll be doing this every week. We'll have a new guest and this is going to be fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We're so excited to bring Before the Break to life. Exactly. It's going to be fun. So uh, yeah, tune in and we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks everybody. Bye.